0: Good evening. Would you all stand one more time? Turn to somebody and say, Tonight, we're going to get something brand new from the Bible. Turn to somebody and tell them, We're going to get something brand new from the Bible tonight. Amen. While you're standing, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the wonderful Word of God. And Holy Spirit, tonight we look to you as a great teacher. You wrote this book And tonight we ask that you would open it to us, that you would feed it to us. Help us to step into the Scriptures tonight and to be changed by it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Denise and I are so glad to be here. And if I could have just a little bit more monitor up here, it will help me. But we're so glad to be here at Faith Church. We love Pastor Frank. Lisa and his family, and we've known so many of you for so many years, and we haven't been here for a long time. And I want to tell you, things are good in Russia. We live in Russia, and we will proudly tell you that we do collude with Russia. We've been colluding with Russia for 28 years, and God is doing great things in Moscow. It's just wonderful what God is doing in Russia. I was telling Pastor Frank and some other pastors that when we moved to the Soviet Union, We lost nothing. You know, you never lose when you obey the Lord. We literally stepped into the book of Acts. And our family and our sons, all of our grandchildren, we're still living in the middle of the book of Acts, and it is just wonderful to see what God is doing in Russia. And God is moving all over the United States. There's a move of God across the world today. And we're privileged that we can be here together to worship tonight. And Denise and I are grateful to be with you. But I want to mention to you several things. I have a brand new book called The Will of God, The Key to Your Success. This is a totally different take on how to know the will of God for your life. People all the time want to know, what does God want me to do? What is God's plan? You can know the will of God. And when you know the will of God, it positions you to live in power, provision, and protection. And that's what this book is about, and I want to encourage you to pick one up. I have another brand new book called Signs You'll See just before Jesus comes. I don't like it when prophecy teachers try to scare people. And so I decided to look at what did Jesus say about the signs we would see just before he comes and look at it from a very logical approach. And that is what is in this book. And it is just tremendous. And if you're interested in prophecy and what the Bible says about the signs we'll see just before Jesus comes, this is really a good book for you to get. And then Denise has a book back there called Who Stole Cinderella? The subtitle says, The Art of Living Happily Ever After. This is really a book about marriage. It's just tremendous, and I want to encourage you to pick one of those up. All of those are back on the table. But tonight, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and tonight I'm going to talk to you about being vigilant. 1 Peter chapter 5, and Holy Spirit, we thank you again for helping us tonight. Thank you. Tonight we're going to begin in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And when you come to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8, Peter is writing. And by this time, Peter is a very elderly man. And he's speaking from a position of experience. And he writes to his readers. And he writes to you and me. And speaking from the King James version, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. Walks about seeking whom he may devour, verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Tonight we're going to take verse 8 apart, and we're going to begin at the very first of verse 8, where Peter writes and he says, be sober. The Greek word that is used here literally means be serious. So whatever he's about to describe, it is a very serious subject. In fact, it is so serious, he continues to say, be sober, be vigilant. That word vigilant in Greek is the word Gregorio. If your name is Greg or Gregory, that's where your name comes from. This word vigilant, the Greek word Gregorio, is only used one way, and therefore it only has one possible interpretation in this verse. This word Gregorio, which here is translated vigilant, was only used if there was a sinister force on the outside that was trying to somehow find its way on the inside. And because this force was so sinister, it was so malevolent, you were called upon to be Gregorio, which in Greek is the word be vigilant. It really means build a barricade, put up a border, do everything you can from your side to make sure that evil force never tries to find its way to the inside. And the only way that this word would be used, this word Gregorio was in the event that there was some kind of a sinister force that was going to attack and was going to try to find its way on the inside. So now as Peter writes to us and to his readers, he says, be serious. Then he tells us why Gregorio, be vigilant, because there's an evil force out there that's going to try to find its way on the inside. Therefore, be vigilant. The Greek literally means build a barricade, put up a border, do everything on your side to make sure that evil force never finds its way into your life. And I'm going to give you an example from our lives. Denise and I for many years lived right downtown Moscow. In fact, when you see the news and you see the Kremlin and you see Red Square, we lived on Red Square for many years. In fact, when Paul McCartney came and gave a big concert on Red Square, we didn't even have to buy a ticket. We just stood on our balcony and watched the whole event right on Red Square. Our kids grew up playing on their skateboards on Red Square. And because we lived downtown at that time, there were a lot of vagabonds on the streets. And sometimes they would wander into the building where we lived and they would sleep in the corridor just as we came in and walked up the steps into our apartment. And because of that, Denise was locking the door all the time. She was concerned that one of those vagabonds my walk through the apartment door, come into our home. So Denise was locking the door and locking the door. And living downtown where that could happen, I understood why we needed to lock the door. But then after a matter of years went by, Denise and I moved just outside Moscow into the country. Well, I say that it's in the country, but you have to understand Moscow has 22 million people. Can you imagine living in a city of 22 million people? And we live in a very small area where we only have 800,000 people in our neighborhood. But where we live, we live in an area that has a green zone right behind our house and nobody can build behind us. And the reason nobody can build behind us is because in that green zone, there is a huge gas pipe. And because of the gas pipe, it's considered dangerous to build there. Just not so long ago, somebody decided they were going to siphon some gas out of the gas pipe. So in the middle of the night, somebody went with an electric drill and drilled into that gas pipe. It looked like a plane had crashed just behind our house. Fire everywhere. And because of that pipe, no one can build there. So we kind of live out in the country no close neighbors. But even though we were living in the middle of nowhere, Denise was still locking the door. And in fact, she was such a fiend about locking the door that I even made fun of her. I would say, hey, Denise, there's so many people out here. Are you sure you locked the door? You better go check and make sure you've really locked the door. And it kind of became a joke in our house because Denise locked the door and then she wanted another lock and another lock. So now we have two locks on this door and we have two locks on this door. And I felt like we were living inside a safe. Just to let the dog out of the house, we had to unlock all the locks on the doors. Well, one day I was sitting in the TV room watching the news. And all of a sudden I heard Denise scream from the front part of the house. She said, Rick, come, come work. So I jumped up, I ran to the front part of the house, and as I walked into the foyer, Denise said these words. She said, Rick, look out the people of the locked door. And of course, she's the one that locks the door. Look out the people of the locked door. And when I looked through the people, to my amazement, Standing right outside our front door was a naked lady. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone to answer your door to find a naked woman standing at your front door, but this was quite a shocking encounter. And I looked out the woman out the door, and there was this woman standing there, naked, standing outside our front door. I turned to Denise, and I said, who is the naked woman outside the front door? She said, I have no idea. Well, come to find out. This was a woman on drugs. And she had been in the forest behind our house. And because the back gate was opened, she wandered onto our property, wandered all the way up to the front steps of our house, came all the way up the steps. And now she was pounding on the door of our house saying, open the door, let me in. I'm coming in this house. And it was such a loud event that we had to call the man who takes care of our property. He came with a towel and kept trying to wrap the towel around the naked woman. She kept throwing it off, and he kept rewrapping her and rewrapping her, and finally he got her all wrapped up, took her by the hand, and he walked her across the property. And by this time, Denise and I have gone to the back of the house, so we're watching through the window to see what's going to happen to the naked woman. He walks her to the back gate, walks her right out the back fence and she stands there and lingers waiting to see if he'll disappear so she can come back onto the property. And finally, when she understood she wasn't going to get back onto the property, she turned around and Denise and I watched as the naked woman walked across the field and she disappeared back into the forest. Wow. When she disappeared, I turned and looked at Denise. And she said, well, Rick, what do you think about that locked door? And I got to thinking about it. What if the door hadn't been locked? It would have been a completely different scenario. I may have been sitting in the TV room watching the news and looked up as a naked woman came walking through the door into the TV room. And indeed, we could have gotten her out of the house, but it would have been very scandalous. It would have been very difficult, a lot of emotion. It was easier to lock the door and keep her out than to have to get her out after she got inside. And when that event took place, my mind came to this verse where Peter says, be sober, be serious. Something very serious is going to happen. Be vigilant. Gregorio, there's a sinister force on the outside that will definitely try to find its way on the inside. Therefore, Gregorio, be vigilant. It is your responsibility to do everything from your side, to lock every door, seal every crack, build a barricade, put up a border, do everything you can from your side, be vigilant. And then Peter describes the sinister force. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because... Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. But notice he calls the devil an adversary. Well, this word adversary in Greek is the word antidikos. And anybody who knows first century Greek knows what the word antidikos is. Here it's translated as the word adversary. But in fact, it is the first century Greek word for a legal prosecutor. So if you're going to translate this correctly, you would translate it because your prosecutor, the devil. So to understand how the devil operates, you have to back up for a moment and ask, how does a prosecutor operate? What does a prosecutor do? A prosecutor does what? He prosecutes. And how does he prosecute? He looks for an area where a law has been broken or a law has been violated. And when the prosecutor finds an area where a law has been violated or broken, then he uses that area to charge someone and to take them down. Well, this is very important. Because here we find how the devil finds access. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, verse 27, give no place to the devil. That's so very important. That word place is the Greek word topos. It describes a real bona fide geographical location, which means the devil is looking for a topos, a place, an access point to get into all of our lives. He's looking all the time for a way to get in. And now by using this word antidekos, here translated adversary, really the Greek word for a prosecutor, we find how the devil gets into people's lives. He looks for some area where they have violated a principle. He looks for some area where they have broken the word of God, where they've not done what they should have done. And when he finds that crack, that is the area the devil uses to find a place or to find access. You know, Jesus made an amazing statement in John chapter 15. He said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has no place in me. That's what Jesus said. Let me paraphrase that for you. The prince of this world is coming, but he can circle me and circle me and circle me to no avail because in me there is no place. There's no open spot. There's no access point. There's nothing in me that is open for him to find access to me. The prince of this world is coming, but he has no place in me. And I want to tell you the spiritual warfare is real. We need spiritual weapons. I've written a book called Dressed to Kill. If you don't have it, you ought to get that book. It's a classic on spiritual warfare. But I want to tell you, friends, the highest level of spiritual warfare, the highest level is not screaming at the devil. It's not even using the weapons of your warfare. The highest level of spiritual warfare is when you simply live and obedient consecrated life, because when you're living right, every door is closed, every seal is cracked, every access point is removed, and you can say with Jesus, even if the prince of this world comes, he'll find no place in me. And now in this verse, Peter says the devil will come, and he'll come like a prosecutor. He'll look for some area where a law or principle has been violated. Is that rain that I'm listening to? That's amazing. Well, what kind of a violation is he looking for? I'm just going to give you some practical examples. For example, somebody may be physically sick, habitually sick. They're asking people to pray for them and lay hands on them all the time. But when you really look a little deeper into that person's life, you find they don't eat right. They don't take care of themselves. They violated so many principles about their health. And through those violations, the devil has found access into their lives. Or how about somebody that doesn't handle their money right? They use credit card after credit card, loading up their credit cards. And then they scream and they say, oh, the devil is working in my finances. And indeed he is. But who gave him access? Some kind of a principle was violated. Or how about a marriage that falls to pieces? And when you look at a little closer, you find the husband and wife, they never talked. They had no fellowship. They had no relationship. They didn't do what was needed to keep a relationship intact. And through many violations, the devil found access. If you really look at people's cases, you find the majority of times the devil's there, but he's there because he found a place of access. And now Peter, who is an aged man and is speaking to us with common sense, says, be sober, be serious, because your adversary the prosecutor is coming and when he comes he'll look for some area where you have done something wrong he'll try to use that as an access point to get into your life and then he calls them the devil well the word devil is a greek word diabolos it's a compound of two greek words the word dia means through it carries the idea of penetration The second part of the word is balos. It means to hurl something like a ball or a rock. But when you compound the two words together, the word diabolos, translated devil, is really not a proper name. It is a job description. And it describes how the devil operates. He's one that comes and pounds and pounds and pounds. And his intention is dia, to eventually penetrate and find his way on the inside. And so now Peter says to all of us, be serious, be vigilant, put up a barricade, do everything you can to make sure that you keep evil on the outside because there is a devil coming and when he comes, his intention will be to pound you and pound you and pound you until he penetrates you and he'll do it through some kind of an act of prosecution. He'll look for some area of violation and through that area, he will try to find entrance into your life wow. And to let us know what is the intention of the devil, Peter says he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Well, when you see that word devour, you kind of mentally see the picture of a lion who's hovering over some kind of an animal that it's killed, and now the lion is chewing the meat of that animal. But there's a problem, because this word devour is not the Greek word which means to chew the meat. It is the Greek word katapino. The word katapino means to slurp or to drink down, which means the animal is so totally consumed, no meat is left, all that is left are the juices, and now the lion is literally slurping up the juices that remain from this beast. And now Peter uses this word to say, if you don't put up a barricade, if you don't do what you're supposed to do to make sure he stays on the outside, if he finds his way on the inside, he's not just going to victimize you, but the devil's goal is to totally consume you and slurp you up until there is nothing left of you. Wow. And Peter goes on to say, seeking whom he may devour. The Greek says, un. It describes a specific target, which means the devil's not able to consume everybody. He's looking for one specific category. He's seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for that believer that is a straggler, the believer that is outside of the pack, just like a wandering animal, That is the animal which lions the most easily attack. He's looking for someone that's not in a community of faith, someone who's fallen out of fellowship, somebody who's not strong, someone who's violating some kind of a principle. That's the one he's seeking for, that he might take them down, maul them. And Peter says, devour, the Greek word katapino, slurp them up until there's nothing left of them. Well, I can tell you, as a pastor been pastoring for many years, the people that are the easiest for the devil to consume are people that are out of fellowship, people that are not in the midst of god's people. They don't regularly attend church, they're kind of stragglers out on the edge. That is who the devil is looking for. And I want to tell you, saints, when you're in the middle of the people of God, when you're baptized in the midst of faith, you are a much harder target for the enemy to attack. That's why you need to be in church. You need to be in the presence of worship. You need to be in a place where you are secure among God's people. Then Peter says in the following verse, whom resist steadfast in the faith. The word resist that is used here is a Greek word that is a military term, which means don't just at the last moment figure out how to resist him, but in fact it is a military term which describes a pre-planned resistance. A pre-planned resistance. And I'll give you an example. During World War II, when the Nazis were coming to the city of Moscow, The people of Moscow took every precaution they could take to make sure those Nazi forces would never get into the city of Moscow. Boys and girls, grandpas and grandmas, people of every category, they all left the city of Moscow with shovels. They went to the front. They began digging ditches. They dug more than 20,000 miles of ditches around the city of Moscow. It's hard to even imagine it. I've been there. I've been in those ditches. They didn't just wait and say, "We'll take action if the devil comes or if the enemy comes." They begin to dig ditches. They begin to plan their resistance so that even if the Nazi forces came, they would never be able to get on the inside. It was a pre planned resistance. And by using this word, Peter is telling us: if we want to be victorious in life, we have to use our heads. And, in fact, he doesn't just say whom resists. He says whom resists steadfast. That word steadfast is the Greek word stereos, which means to reinforce yourself. Reinforce yourself. Do everything you can to make sure that you are strong so that even if he comes, he will never be able to penetrate you and take you down because you've done everything necessary to make sure Gregorio, a barricade has been constructed that he will never be able to penetrate. Wow. You see, the devil's really not that powerful. He's just powerful when he finds a place of access. If you give him no place, then you can say what Jesus said, let him come. Let him circle me and circle me and circle me. But in me, he has no place. He can't get in. There's no way he can penetrate me because every door is closed. Every crack is sealed. And even though the enemy encamps round about you, he has no access to you whatsoever simply because you've used your head and you've done what is right. Hmm. Now I'm going to give you an example. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3 about a city that was called Sardis. Jesus addressed the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. And the church of Sardis was in this legendary city of Sardis. I've been to Sardis many times. Sardis was the capital of the Lydian kingdom. It was famous because just to the east of Sardis, there was another kingdom where there was a king named Midas. How many of you ever heard of the Midas touch? And Midas lived in the kingdom to the east. And the legend says the Midas was cursed with a touch of gold, and everything he touched turned into gold. He even touched his daughter, and his daughter turned into gold. He touched his food, his food turned into gold. That's what the legend said. So Midas said, I want to get rid of this golden touch. And he went into the rivers of the Pacchus and he bathed and washed off the gold. And tradition said the gold flowed downstream to the city of Sardis. Now, all of that is legend. But it is a fact that the city of Sardis had a lot of gold. That is a fact. There was a king there by the name of Croesus who was the richest man in the history of the world. And he built the legendary kingdom of Sardis. And Sardis was on the top of a hill, the very peak Of the hill is where the Acropolis was built. And because of all the money they had, they built an Acropolis. They built a fortress that could not be penetrated. And for a thousand years, the city of Sardis stood untouched. And they became very smug about how secure they were because they were the city that reputedly could not be penetrated. Though enemies had tried to take them, no one had been able to take the city of Sardis because its walls were so tall and its walls were so thick, no one could penetrate Sardis. And the people of Sardis became so proud and so smug about how safe and secure they were that they stopped paying attention to their foundations And as the years went by, the geography began to move. And as the geography slowly, slowly moved, cracks began to form in the foundation of the Acropolis. That the people of Sardis were so confident that they were the city that could not be taken, they didn't realize, while they were being smug they, in fact, were beginning to form cracks in their foundation. And year after year, the cracks got wider and wider and wider and wider until one day the Persians came. And the Persians began observing the city of Sardis, trying to figure a way to penetrate the city, and they realized the city had formed cracks in its foundation. And one night, while the people of Sardis were sleeping, the Persians began to scale the mountains to the base of the Acropolis, and the cracks had now formed so wide that the Persian army, one by one, entered the city of Sardis through cracks. And the next morning, when the people of Sardis woke up, they had been penetrated, and they had been taken captive, by an enemy that had entered them through cracks. Wow. That's actually how the devil works in most people's lives. It's usually not the surprise attack that takes people down. It's areas of negligence. Areas where people have heard the Holy Spirit telling them, "Deal with your health, change the way that you're eating," and they don't listen and they don't change, and the cracks just keep getting wider and wider and wider. Or the Holy Spirit says, "When are you going to begin giving your tithe?" You know what the Bible says about your tithe, but you ignore what the Holy Spirit is saying and you abuse your finances. You think it's not big, but in fact, little by little, over time, the cracks begin to get wider and wider and wider and wider. And wider. Or maybe it is a relational issue, and the. Holy Spirit's telling you to deal with this relational issue and you think it's not so serious, but all the while, the cracks are getting wider and wider. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. That is a fact. But if you throw open the door, the devil will be happy to find that place of access. And if he gets in, you cannot say that your faith failed. (laughs) You can't say the Bible failed. You have to honestly say the devil has entered into my life because there was an area where the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I did not respond to. It was a place of negligence, a place of negligence in my life. And I want to tell you that sometimes when the cracks get very big, you have to ask for other people to come in and help you close the cracks. The most foolish thing you can do is to say, I've got a crack in my life, the devil's finding access, but I'm too proud to tell anybody about it. Listen, get rid of that pride. Ask for somebody to help you close the cracks. Ask people at church. Ask your pastor. Ask the pastoral team. Seek the help of a counselor. And I'll tell you very honestly... It's something that happened to me several years ago. Denise and I had been through tremendous stress through a building program. We built our building in the city of Moscow. $18 million. We had to pay cash. Churches in Russia can't get loans. In the midst of... Believing God for all the cash to build this building, and we only had a certain amount of time to build the building. Oh, so many problems, problems, problems. For example, one day, my administrator called me in the middle of the building project and said, Pastor, you've got to come to the church fast. We have an issue. I wondered, what could the issue be? Well, we purchased our building from the Russian Space Agency. It was their former conference hall, big auditorium. But over the years, it had been dilapidated and was empty. Now we purchased it. We were renovating it. I came to the building. and I could see the big jackhammers were in the auditorium. and They were trying to level the concrete, which was uneven. And there in our building was the director, not a subdirector, the director of the Russian Space Agency. That's a pretty important man. With him were members of the KGB. And I see our administrator negotiating with the KGB and the leader of the Russian space agency. I'm wondering what in the world is going on as they say to us there's something about this building that you don't know. What could it be? We did our due diligence. We searched all the documents. We knew everything that there was to know about this building. And they said, there's a secret about this building. Well, if it's a secret, that means it's probably not in any of the documents. And we said, well, what is the secret? They said, under this facility is a secret laboratory where all the microscopic parts are fabricated for the Russian space age, space space uh, center up in space and it has to be a dust-free zone because dust can damage the equipment and if anything happens to this equipment which we then use in our laboratory in space and something happens in the laboratory we're going to hold you and your church responsible for the dust That is in the secret laboratory. Well, let me ask you how many pastors do you know who have a secret laboratory under their church? And I have to say, that was a very bad day for me. And that was just one of many bad days. You say, How did you fix the problem? Before we could continue work on the building, we had to wrap the entire interior of the building in steel. Every column, every wall, it looked like a building made of steel. We had to fix the building so it wouldn't move when we proceeded to work on the floors. And today, when we worship God every week in our church, under our feet, there is a secret laboratory that is at work. And guess what? It's not a secret anymore. That's just one example. Pastor Frank, can you imagine having to come up with $18 million cash in a very short period of time? And the stress and the pressure became so intense. And it began to affect me physically. I didn't take care of myself. I began to eat wrong, I began to gain weight. I became negligent about me as I began to worry about other things. I want to tell you, worry is never of God. Worry never accomplishes anything. There was a better way which God had for me, but I did not choose the better way. And physically, I got in bad shape. And when the building was finished, and we dedicated that building oh. What an amazing dedication. President Putin sent five members of his cabinet to attend the grand opening of our church. It was such a victorious moment in our church. But in the process of all of this victory, there were areas of negligence that I allowed in my physical body. And the cracks were getting wider. And the cracks were getting wider and wider and wider until one day my family said to me, we're going to help you close the cracks. And we implemented an exercise program, and a weight loss program. I didn't just say, gee, the devil is in my life. The devil's working in my body. It was time for us to resist him steadfast. We had to respond to what was happening. We had to close the cracks. And I lost 100 pounds. Started an exercise program today. I'm still doing almost 100 push-ups every single morning when I wake up in the morning because I decided God had a long race for me to live, to run. And if I'm going to run the race, then I have to do my part to close the cracks. I couldn't just scream that the devil was working in my physical condition. I had to acknowledge I did something that gave him access. The devil's not that strong. The devil's not that big of a deal. In fact, in the book of Romans, the most theological book in the whole New Testament, the devil's mentioned one time. In the whole book, 16 chapters... The devil is mentioned in chapter 16, the last chapter in verse 20. This is the only theological statement about the devil in the whole book of Romans. Are you ready? Here it is. And the God of peace shall crush Satan under your feet. That is the Bible's theological statement about the devil. He belongs under your feet. He is not a big deal. Unless through negligence you've created a crack for him to enter in. Now it's interesting to me about the city of Sardis because those cracks appeared very slowly. In fact, those cracks appeared so slowly, they didn't even realize they were forming cracks. But because they weren't paying attention, very slowly, over a long period of time, the cracks begin to get wider and wider and wider and wider. And friends, I'm going to tell you, this is usually the way that an assault happens. It's not usually quick. It's usually some area over a period of time. And the Holy Spirit's faithful. The Holy Spirit is faithful. The Holy Spirit will tell you, deal with this. The Holy Spirit will tell you, forgive this person. The Holy Spirit will tell you, start spending time with this person. Stop using your credit cards. Are you going to give your tithe? Quit eating the way that you're eating. The Holy Spirit, if you will listen, He is speaking all the time. It's not that He's unfaithful. Six times in Jesus' ministry. Six times. Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, hear. To all seven churches in the book of Revelation, to all seven of them, Jesus said, he that has an ear, let him hear. We have to open our ears to hear if we'll listen. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's speaking to some of you right now. Do you have an ear to hear? No one wants you to succeed more than God. They quoted the statement in your church, destined to win. Absolutely, we're all destined to win. We are more than conquerors through him who gave his life for us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But if you're claiming to be a winner with cracks wide open... It's going to be a frustrating experience. You've got to close the cracks. Closing the cracks happens through the act of repentance. Acknowledging acknowledging there's been a place of negligence, acknowledging there's something that I've done wrong, acknowledging I did something to open the door. There was something I was supposed to do that I did not do. Somehow you've done something wrong, but through the act of repentance, you can close every door, you can seal every crack. If the devil's gotten in, you can get him out. I'm an example. You can get him out of your marriage. You can. You can get him out of your health. You really can. It may mean you have to quit drinking soft drinks, but you can get him out of your out of your health. You can get him out if he's gotten in. Pastor Frank will teach you how to do that. But easier to keep him out than to have to get him out after he got in. And that is why Peter speaks as a aged great man of God and speaks to younger believers and says, Hey, hey, guys. Be sober, wake up, keep your head on straight, be vigilant, put up a barricade, put up a border because there's an enemy out there who's going to try to find his way on the inside. And if he ever gets in, he's not just going to maul you and chew on you. His desire is to slurp you up till there's nothing left of you. Therefore, build a pre-planned resistance, build trenches, put up barricades, do everything you can reinforce yourself. So that even if he tries, he'll find no place of access. And remember, Peter says he's an adversary. The Greek word antidekos, he's a prosecutor. He comes with a legal mind. He's looking for some violation. That's the crack he's looking for. Now, none of us are so spiritually astute, none of us, that we do everything right all the time. I know that. But this word vigilant... The Greek word Gregoria literally means as much as depends on you, as much as you know how, as much as it depends on your own participation, do what you can do to make sure this prosecutor never finds that place to get in and to take you down. It's the highest level of spiritual warfare. The highest level. Gee, it's so simple. Do what's right. Live right. Don't look at what you shouldn't look at. Don't spend what you shouldn't spend. Don't eat what you shouldn't eat. Do what is right. Make sure that prosecutor never finds a violation. Violation. And friend, I want to tell you, if you'll have ears to hear, the Holy Spirit is so precious. He'll always be faithful to tell you, always, deal with this. Change that. Don't say that. Don't say that. You shouldn't talk like that. He's speaking all the time. So we have a choice. We can hear and change. Or we can be like Sardis. Refuse to look at our foundations. Form cracks. That the enemy will find. You don't want that. You don't want that because you're destined to win.